Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm the walking riot, Mikey Hyatt. And I am Lady Alexandra. Oh my gosh, I got so scared <laughs> that you were going to do the same, a similar thing. Nope. Different, the right kind of similar. <laughs> Welcome to episode 200, A Matter of Respect. It's a matter of respect. And see, every time you guys say matter of respect, all I can think of is Billy Joel, matter of trust. Um, <laughs> I just keep thinking, it's like, that sounds like something from a gangster movie, which one is it? And it's like, oh, it's probably all of them. Most likely. <laughs> it's probably every single one of them. Or I guess, yeah, mafia movie specifically. So this was the first matter of respect produced by ECW. It would take place on May 11th, 1996. From the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with an attendance of 1,000 people. Hey, oh, oh hey. Where, where did some people go? That's a, oh, yeah. that's a low number for the uh, ECW <laughs> Arena. I mean, we can, we can get what I think we decided you can get like 1,100 in there. people. 1,150 is where we decided it <laughs> capped out. Hey. I bet they get to 1,250 at some point. That's very possible. Oh, who, yeah. Who needs that? ringside area hanging from the rafters a dangerous thing to do in this yeah you know put vip seats up in the the eagle's nest i'm 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 surprised surprised they haven't done that yet make them vip seats vip seats in that decrepit old i'd love to have gone to that i'm sure it's been like moderately maybe not like fixed up but i would have loved to just walk through this disgusting pile uh, at this point in time, you still can. New Japan runs there. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. I know. Uh, I know. I know. It still gets used for wrestling, but I'm just imagining. Water used to like, run there all the time. I just it smells like 1996 in there. It, yeah, I guess it probably still does. <laughs> I just want to see that that dingy that the dingy room. The bingo hall. The bingo hall. Right. Show me the scaffolding where Dark Patriot and J.T. Smith were. <laughs> the most famous uh, bingo hall in uh, all of professional wrestling. So all Shane. Bingo. Did you do what you do? Well, we're back in Philly, so, you know, I did what I do. Yes, I once again did not bring something that is strictly Philadelphia. I I went the what's become my ECW route and did something inspired by the show or somebody on the show. And coincidentally, I believe I did this same or I shouldn't say I did this, the same person inspired me uh, on the last show as this one. So for uh, for this week, I brought an alcoholic beverage, otherwise known as boo, 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 Big Titty. That's what this is called, the Big Titty Cocktail. It is right. <laughs> coconut, coconut rum and pineapple juice. Um, it, it sounds just, like the kind of drink for a girl with big titties. Yeah. Either for a girl with or somebody hoping to increase the size of theirs, maybe. just I don't know if that works. Slowly with sugar. Exactly. But yeah, it is just uh, coconut rum, pineapple juice, and then just for 
nipular purposes, I put a maraschino <laughs> cherry upside down on top. Ah, nipular <clears throat> purposes. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely not a uh, end of December drink. I mean, it can be an anytime drink, but you know, this is something that I would see sitting on a beach or something, as opposed to coming off of negative fourteen degree weather, uh, as we did here recently. But uh, hey. If you've got rum and pineapple juice in a glass, all you gotta do is close your eyes and you can picture yourself anywhere. Uh-huh. So. There's a, I close my eyes and there's a big titty. Exactly. And I figured, you know, we'd even it out. Last week I brought, uh, or last ECW I brought, but, but, but blowjobs. So I figured, you know, that was for me. We'll bring some, but, but, but big titties for you guys. Now you gotta do something for Devon. Huh? It's not very, the name that. Well, we'll bring something that's, you know, yeah. hard on the D, I guess. Sure, <laughs> There's something out there called the testifier. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. or the commandment. Yeah, but the I guess he wasn't the freaking deacon, but he he at once was brother deacon or reverend deacon or something. Who knows? We'll get there at some point. Yeah, but this is a not but it's a delightful, but it's a delightful treat. Exactly. I used to know them. Well, I guess mine back in the day had a shot of vodka in there too. So we called it a pineapple bomb, but eh, I'm okay with this big titty. Hey, big titty. I used to make these at SMB back in the day. Oh, yeah. While on the clock. (laughs) Yep, I was going to say, and nobody knew. (laughs) Anything to get through the day. I was like, it's just pineapple juice. Yeah. Right? My boss didn't care. Oh, how could he? (laughs) And he's not your boss anymore, so it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I can tell him that. I didn't care then either. I've I've had worked with so many people in the restaurant industry that uh, were true retro baits. Uh, you weren't one of them. Send people home uh, because they were on something multiple times. Who don't even know what that was. <laughs> but uh, you know, nope. yeah, you're the least of anybody's problem. <laughs> so something that would happen right around the same time, as a matter of respect, a little movie called Twister. Would be released the day before. I gotta go. We got cows. Rest in peace, Bill Paxton. Other than Oklahoma. Is this the most famous movie about Oklahoma? Yeah. The um, Outsiders. but But a lot of people don't even really think about that being an Oklahoma thing. But... It does take place. Yeah, I mean, box Tulsa. office wise, definitely. But yeah, box office wise. Oh, it's definitely. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, technically the biggest one for sure. For now, I want to say it was the second highest grossing film of the year. We've got uh, Twister, Twister was Twister Two or whatever they're calling it on the horizon. So, um, what's it called? The Flower Moon, uh, the Scorsese movie. Oh yeah, but it probably won't gross Twister at least inflation wise. Had that Meryl Streep, Julia Roberts movie, something Oklahoma. I can't remember. It's some town in Oklahoma. What else? Yeah. This one definitely. That one got some Oscar love. Well, this one got some Oscar love too, I think. Did it? For sound editing and okay. visual effects and whatnot. I can believe that because this is definitely like a, a good like middle of the road like trasher movie to put in a theater. Like it's it's good. It's entertaining, but like it's not oh, August Apollo. Osage County. August. That's what uh, it is. okay. Yeah. I never saw that. I heard about. But this isn't like Apollo thirteen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is just a good like B blockbuster, lower okay. budget like you know movie for everybody. This is like this is a cable jammer for sure. This is what uh, you know 
sent the the new league of storm watchers out there yeah before then people would just look through their window and then it was <laughs> cool to drive around and chase storms i saw uh, this movie i mean i moved here about a year and a half probably maybe two years after it came out so i saw this movie before i moved to oklahoma and i did think this movie ruled and i remember watching it like a sleepover with friends i think everybody had already seen it multiple oh, yeah. times we were like yeah twister rules anytime there's a bad weather you know tornado season rolls in i, I typically want to throw this on really? at least once i haven't seen it in 20 years probably as a hold up it's still as as wonderfully trashy and overacted as it was back then hell yeah it's because it's paxton hunt, hunt and who else is in the movie those are the only two i remember philip seymour hoffman i can see him in my head now yes um carrie elwes I don't know if I can know who that is. He's Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Oh, uh, yes, I do. I, I can never remember that guy's name. Princess Bride. Princess, yeah, yeah. I can never remember that dude's liar. name. Yeah, a very specific looking guy. Saw. <laughs> oh, yeah, Man, like Alan Rook's in the movie. Huh? Alan Rook's in the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, Joey Slotnick? That's his name. I don't know who either of these people are. Joey Slotnick. You know who Alan Rook and Joey Slotnick are. I believe you. Jeremy Davies? Matt's better with. He's I'm young pretty, in that one, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, people always give or like surprised uh, that I'm good with names. Meg, but Matt is or much Meg better. Or whatever her name was, she's been in a lot of shit. I can't think of her name. Oh, Louise Smith. Yes. Yeah, it. Uh, oh, it's got Jamie Gertz in it. Yes. She was How the a, fuck did I forget Jamie Gertz? Because she's, she's only we like cows. She was only like five movies. Like in well, see, the, out of the ones where I was like, we, you got. I mean, you <laughs> didn't know who. Joey Slotnick was. So I was like, is he going to know who Jamie Gertz is? Yeah. I know who Jamie Gertz is because she's a babe. Joey Slotnick was... Did you ever see... Oh. Oh, yeah. I know who this guy is. Blast from the Past. Yeah, I like that movie. Yeah, he is the stoner guy that... Stay out of my elevator. Stay yeah. out of my elevator. Started a whole religion thing off of Brendan Fraser's... I know Alan Ruck, too. Of course I do. I know you know who Alan Ruck is. I mean, yeah, I just never knew these guys' names. He's Cameron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like there was something I watched recently that he showed up in, and I was like, why does that guy look familiar? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a homeboy from, you know, that's Cameron this, from. This is the movie that made me uh, decide to try steak and eggs for the first oh, time. Oh, yeah? Because, really? I mean, I'd had chicken fried steak and eggs, and it was good, but steak and eggs together just sounded weird. So, it was good. I've been to Wakita. My niece, Michelle, once upon a time got married there. So, I got to drive all the way out there and see the teeny tiny podunk town of Wakita, Oklahoma. Did you go searching for those little tiny uh, plastic balls? No. Those are my... I'm assuming I was... they're in the Twister Museum that they have there. <laughs> There's a Twister closed. Museum. Oh, that yeah. rules. I mean... Damn, we should go to the Twister Museum and get tw- matching Twister t-shirts. <laughs> So a couple of fun notes about Twister. I'm listening. Bring it on. So when Bill Paxton passed away in 2017, Spotter Network, which is a big network that choreographs storm chasers, basically they choreographed 200 storm chasers to spell out BP uh, with their GPS tracker blips. So you can see it on a radar display. Uh, that's awesome. That's cute. It's only the fifth time that they had ever done it, and it was the first time that it hadn't been a storm chaser they had done it for. Yeah. I mean... He was probably a huge inspiration to a lot of those uh, people, as you know. They probably saw the movie at around the age that, you know, yep. you know, somewhere between, yeah, in their adult, adolescent 
I yeah, I remember being enamored with the technology of this movie, but it didn't get me turn me into like a weather freak or anything. Debris. I was just like, oh, these this is yeah. I just found it pretty interesting. Love Bill Paxton, rest in peace. I'm guessing they sold a whole lot of. I don't remember what kind of truck he was driving in that. If it was a Ford or a Dodge or a Chevy, but <laughs> well, uh, whatever kind it was, I'm sure there was a whole bunch of people that went about. I mostly soon after. remember the cow, the drive-in, and the fact that they tied a belt to like the well line and got we're in the middle of the tornado, which is so corny and yeah. awesome. Why that's not a ride at some amusement park in Oklahoma? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't get it. You could do it at one of those things, you know, where they do like the fake like skydiving places, <laughs> but then they just put a pole in the bottom and then <laughs> then make it twister. And they just turn on a big fan uh-huh. and you just blow them side mm-hmm. to side. Pretend you're Alan Hunt. Have they actually <laughs> yeah. said if any of the original cast is coming back for the sequel? I have not heard. I'm assuming Helen Hunt will make an appearance. I'm going to guess it has to do with like her their, son their daughter or son being a storm chaser. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can write this movie in our brains. Yeah. Any like, there's like no way to make this Obviously. interesting, or no, and like so many ways to fuck it up. But all you have to do is just. You know, son of Twister or daughter right. of Twister. Philip Seymour they... Hoffman obviously won't be in it. I'm gonna guess Jeremy. Obvious, obvious build, <laughs> Jeremy Davies might make an appearance because he was one of the lower known people in the movie at the time. I feel like Helen Hunt doesn't do much. She could catch a few few bucks she for this. She pops into movies did now they and then. Announce a director. I had not heard that. I just heard that. Or did they just announce a, it's a release date? What's the best Helen Hunt movie? <sighs> It's a toughie. Is it? I feel like the, the obvious answer is... Um, as good as it gets. As good as it gets. I fucking love that movie. I mean, I like that one. What was the one where she was like a sex worker? Sessions or... No. But it came out like 10 years ago. She got an Oscar nomination for it. For Best Supporting Actress. Um, uh, what Women Want. Obviously not a great movie. No. She's great in Castaway, but she's only in the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes. I forgot she was in that, yeah. Yep. I mean, Girls Just Want to Have Fun is, is a classic. No, I never saw that one. I'd probably go with What Women Want, just because that movie's fun. If not Twister. Yeah, I'm good as it gets all day. As good as it gets. I'm honestly looking down her list of films here, and I'm kind of like... There's not a lot of great stuff. It's not a good podcast, but I'm making a face, because I'm just uh, yeah. like, none of this stuff is... You don't like As Good As It Gets? It's okay. Really? I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I love Brooks. I love Albert Brooks. Not Albert Brooks. James L. Brooks. I'm sorry. Yeah. I love Albert Brooks too. Well, different, Project, different guy. She was in Project X with Matthew. Oh Broderick. yeah. That's one. Yeah. See, I'm trying to think of shit from the past, and nothing's coming to mind. Peggy Sue got married. Girls just want to have fun. That's right. She was Kathleen Turner's daughter in that movie, wasn't she? I mean, good as it gets is definitely the biggest one. That movie fucking printed money. What is that movie from? I mean, when you think Helen Hunt, you think Mad About You. Yeah. And you think Twister. And you think As Good As It Gets. Yeah, I mean, that's, for sure. That's Those the three, are the top three, that's yeah. The three Girls things that you think. I never did Bad About You. Is it actually good, or is it just kind of fine? Uh, no clue. Never it's, watched it. I always changed the channel when it came on as like when I was a kid. It's a good show, but it's also one of those that the style of it gets too repetitive at times to the point that you're like all right i feel like i've seen this one before okay i'm okay with skipping this it's one. not as fun or fun it's no it's no uh it's no fraser or cheers was it just sessions sessions okay that was the one that you're thinking of yeah she was good in that one but yeah i'd have to go with either yeah you said project x and that's just like 
burning my brain now because I watched that movie so many times as a kid. That was a good cast. I've never even heard of this movie. Anywho's Yeah, I know. Yeah. I was like, we should have picked Bill Paxton, but we can't do that now. <laughs> so moving on, we'll see Bill Paxton and in the future maybe maybe one day we'll talk about Frailty. Which is a great film. It, it is. is, I do. I think that movie's great. I think he directed that as well. It's very possible. Uh, with Bill Paxton I always go back to uh Weird Science. Yep. One of my Chet. favorite comedies of all time. I love that movie more than I should. <laughs> well, let's get extreme, gentlemen. Let's do it. Extreme. An invitation comes on the screen. Extreme Championship Wrestling cordially invites you to the ECW Arena on the 11th evening of May 1996 for an evening titled A Matter. Of respect. It's got very Hunter Hearst Helms, um, you know, intro music vibes. I it's not like I don't think harpsichord is the right thing, but you know that real di- dingy sounding like piano. It's real high and ugly. Yes, some high society almost kinda, shit. Almost kind of British. Yes, very, very much so. And we go straight to our first match: El Puerto Ricano versus <sighs> Damian Six Six Six. He's back. And we join an arty in progress as Damien is laying prone across the table on the floor, with Ricano climbing to the apron. But Damien makes his way to his feet to stop El Puerto Ricano. Now Ricano is set on the table with Damien making his way to the apron, only for El Puerto Ricano to stop that as well. Joey Styles says this match has been a Sabu tribute fest so far, as they both climb atop the table when the homicidal one himself would run into the ring. Well, that's not Sandman. (laughs) Our two competitors have dropped down from the table when Sabu runs and leaps over the ropes for a plancha onto both men. He follows it up with throwing chairs at them before setting them on the table. The homicidal one then hits a slingshot leg drop on both men before rolling back into the ring to get serenaded with ECW, ECW, ECW. Big old double uh, leg drop. Uh, it was a pretty, pretty wild uh, and more exciting way to start the show than our typical Sabu, or not Sabu. I'm sorry, Sandman double entrance. Yeah, if his entrance is gonna be that long, he only needs to come out once. Mm-hmm. So both men are out, so they declare it a no contest. Well, that was fast. And we go to our second match: Damian Kane. And dangerous Devin Storm with Lady Alexandria versus the Dudley Boys of Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley with Chubby, Dances With, and Sign Guy Dudley. And Bubba takes the mic and says his name is Buh, 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 Big Tits as Alexandria is standing in front of him. She's a ho. This infuriates Kane, so Devin has to hold him back while Lady starts to flirt with Bubba Ray, which allows Damien to jump him from behind. And everybody starts brawling in and out of the ring as Devon takes Storm to the floor with a clothesline. Chairs are being used by the Dudleys. Damien is put through the timekeeper's table by Bubba, and he follows it up with a double axe handle off the apron and a chair shot to Devon. Bubba Ray goes back to Kane, only to be hit with a chair several times, while Storm hits a reverse atomic drop and a chair shot on Devon, before rolling them back in the ring for a top rope missile dropkick. Bubba and Damien continue to hit each other with chairs, while Devon's working over Devon inside the ring. 
when we finally get a resemblance of an actual tag match, as they all make it to their corners, with the Dudleys nailing a whip-aided avalanche splash on Storm, followed by a leaping forearm by Devon. We cut ahead in the action to see Devon charge at Bubba Ray, only to be back-body dropped over the ropes onto Dances With, still in his wheelchair. Uh-oh. Pretty gnarly. Kane comes in to trade punches with Bubba before Devon's tagged in to continue the punishment with clotheslines, turnbuckle smashes, and shoulder tackles. Bubba Ray climbs up to the top turnbuckle and leaps off onto Storm before adding a chair shot. Devon with a leaping headbutt to Damien follows it up with more right hands when Storm leaps off the top rope with chair in hand, taking down Devon. And Devon's asking the crowd, Who's hardcore? while attempting another chair shot on Devon. But Bubba makes a save, only for Kane to attack him from behind, leaving the chair laying in the middle of the ring. All four men then dive onto the chair, with Devon gaining control, laying out everyone with chair shots, including Bubba Ray and the ref, causing a DQ, making Damien and Storm our winners. Hmm. I love uh, Devon. He just—I uh, think he's just trying to hit Bubba in the head until he's like, he can't. Maybe we can't make him dumber, but we, maybe we can get rid of the the, the stutter. Yeah. yeah, it's like Christmas vacation. Quit stuttering uh, through it. I know. Falls down a well. Eyes it's go across. Gets kicked by a mule. They go back again. I don't know. <laughs> Post match, Devon still pissed at Bubba for not taking the match seriously, causing the rest of the clan to have to separate them. A little tension there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Devon is pissed. So we go to our third match. The FBI of J.T. Smith and Little Guido. It's a matter of respect. Versus Axel Rotten and Hack Myers. The hack, right? So J.T. and Rotten look to start when the crowd lets Smith know that he enjoys flating the occasional gentleman. <laughs> so the FBI start making the walk to the back where they can go watch Rocky. But they change their minds and go back into the ring, which the crowd ends up booing as well. And we look to start again, with the crowd gets on JT for having a Woody. So Smith takes the mic and says, Pretty spectacular, huh? FBI is fun. Yes. They finally lock up with arm wrenches being shared between the two, when Axel would grab the ropes to break the hold. That puts JT right behind him. So Rotten comes away from the incident with his hands on his butt. A little, a little pokey, huh? Smith hits a shoulder tackle. Axel comes right back with a hip toss that sends JT towards a shaw punch. While Guido runs in to get hip tossed as well. Followed by little Guido then running into a shaw punch as well. Sending the FBI to the floor to regroup. We clip ahead to Hack hitting right hands, a running elbow, and an apron leg drop across Guido's head, while JT throws Rotten into a guardrail. Myers climbs to the top rope for a face buster, only for Smith to shove him off, so Hack transitions into a sunset flip, but little Guido holds onto the ropes to block, sits down on the shoulders while JT holds onto him for leverage, for the pin, and and the the win. I do love JT does a little swipe at uh, Hat Guy, which was nice. And also, if he's going to do the sit-down spot, and he's that much smaller than him, got to have the leverage. Exactly. So at least that, uh, you know, 
There's, uh, they, they did it, it right. How often does that happen? Sorry, and the right sorry, team went over. So we go to our fourth match. Raven with Stevie Richards, the Blue Meanie, and Miss Patricia. Versus Pitbull number two. With Pitbull number one and Francine. Versus Sandman with Two Cold Scorpio and Missy Hyatt. In a three-way dance for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Ugh, you got you just skipped ten minutes of uh, of entrances. Mm-hmm. More people outside the ring than inside. Miss mm-hmm. Patricia, she was the young lady that made us Sunday Gross. out of Meanie a few episodes ago. Gross. The Fab Ones do their best Shawn Michaels entrances mm-hmm. with Stevie actually taking his shorts off. And accidentally throwing them into the crowd. But they throw him right back. Only for him to do it again. But this time he has to demand them back from the crowd. <laughs> He's wearing his, his, um, blue, his blue briefs. I was like, damn. All right. All right, Steve. And Joey tells us how we got this match. ECW had ran a poll of its fans to determine who the number one contender would be. And Sandman and Pitbull number two supposedly... Tied. And a three-way dance is obviously the only way to solve that problem. Instead of having a number one contenders match. Of course. Uh-huh. I mean, it's ECW. We, gotta, we, need, we so, need to plunder. As you mentioned with the long entrances, mm-hmm. from the time Raven came out of the curtain to the time the bell rang... It was 13 minutes and 22 seconds. Yeah, I got like a whole half a page of notes before <laughs> before the match starts. I will say that Too Cold has a nice little silk New Japan jacket. So that, was, that was cool to see. Interesting. Yeah, maybe he was over there recently. Maybe he was from years past. I don't know. Sandman but. setting him and uh, Missy up with a, a little chair spot so they can dance or... <laughs> Have a place to sit. I couldn't really figure out what the deal was. I know oh, they was got up there and danced. Dance. I think okay. it was just a dance. Yeah. You know, because we had to waste an extra couple more minutes. Oh, yeah. You know. Everybody's coming out with like three to five people. But hey, I'm excited for Pitbull 2 because Pitbull 2 fan over here. Was this the first time they've referred to Francine as the Beastmaster? I believe so, yes. Okay. Maybe. I, I heard him say that and then I kept trying to remember if I had heard it before, but it didn't ring any bells to me. Yeah, it didn't ring any bells to me either. So the match starts, and we get a three-way lockup. And Pitbull just shoves his opponents over. They do it again with the same result, before number two tries to clothesline both guys. But they duck, and he runs into the ropes face first. Yeah, that looked a little uh, a little painful, and I couldn't tell if that was intentional or if it was a total duck up right there. I think it was a complete botch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I do love that the crowd is... Chanting for two. Oh, yeah. How often does that happen? I mean, he... Two, two, two. He looks like he belongs right there. I mean, yeah. Big fan. Raven then lays out Sandman with a DDT for a two count. Then they start hitting Pitbull with canes and chairs. But he won't go down. So they start having a duel momentarily. Only to return to number two. Who no-sells and nails that double clothesline to send everyone out to the floor. Pitbull throws Raven into several guardrails before setting Raven across the top of one, before leaping off the apron with a guillotine leg drop. Number two continues the punishment with chair shots, only for Sandman to fly off the apron with a cane shot to the back of Pitbull. 
Sandman and number two make their way back into the ring, with Pitbull ducking a pair of king shots. But a third one puts him down, with Raven running into the ring to make the cover, only for Sandman to break it up with another cane shot. Number two reverses a whip, charges in with a spinning heel kick, only for Sandman to move, causing the Pitbull to fall out to the floor, followed by the Sandman diving over the ropes to cane him. Raven then flies over the ropes with a plancha of his own, and everyone is wiped out. Sandman and Raven team up to throw number two into a guardrail. They try to do it a second time, only for the Pitbull to overpower them and throw each of them into each other, but then charges in, only to be back body dropped into the crowd. Back in the ring, Raven hits a butterfly suplex on Sandman for a two count. Number two comes back in to hit a release Tiger Driver on Raven for a near fall. Sandman then goes low on the Pitbull, but number two comes right back with a power slam for a two count. Pitbull then sets Raven on the top rope, but he escapes momentarily with a back elbow that sends number two backwards into Sandman. Raven is then thrown to the floor, allowing Sandman to take the Pitbull to the top rope, following up for a super hurricanrana making the cover only for Raven to break it up. Okay, so I have to state this so that it's public knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's a three-way dance, meaning it's an elimination-style match in ECW. Quit breaking up pins. Yep. What what good does it do it to, break, yeah, it, to like break up a pin when it's guy. an eliminate? Like, if it's one fall to a finish... Break the pins up all day long. And there's no alliance an between anybody. Plus, even if there was, it's a contender match. Mm-hmm. Even if it's two pit bulls in there, there's no real reason to break up the pin. Well, I save your buddy. It's either going to be you or him. He's on his back. How do you get there? Raven then tries to DDT both guys at the same time, but they lift him for a double gourd buster before hitting a double clothesline on him as well. Number two and Sandman go to clothesline each other, but the ref gets in the way, so he gets clotheslined instead. Ref bump. Scorpio comes in with a knee drop on Pitbull 2, but that brings in Pitbull number one to hit two cold. There was a visible pin, of course, after the ref bump on both both uh, Sandy and Raven. The two begin to brawl with Scorpio gaining the advantage as number one has a bandaged arm before taking them both over the ropes with a hurricanrana. Number one and two cold continue to brawl on the floor, while Stevie jumps in the ring to hit Sandman and roll Raven on top. But the ref is still out. Sandman and Raven start trading right hands, while Pitbull number two sets up a table straddling the turnbuckles in the corner. Mm-hmm. Number two then gives his opponents multiple double noggin knockers, before setting Sandman on the table only for him to just fall off, taking the table with him down to the concrete. The Pitbull then drags Sandman back into the ring to set him on the top turnbuckle for a super back suplex, making the cover, but the ref is still down, so Raven breaks it up with a chair shot. Raven then sets Sandman on the top rope, hits him with a chair a couple of times, but Sandman begins to just shove the chair back into Raven's face, knocking him down to the mat. Sandman then leaps off with an elbow drop before grabbing his cane from Missy and going for the flying leg drop, only to land 
horribly on his own leg. Uh... We know these top rope leg drops from Sandman are bad, but this might be the worst one. I mean, he limps throughout the rest of the match. Why does he do a leg drop when he can't do a leg drop? Why does he not do an elbow drop? Because he has the worst leg drop in all of wrestling, and he does it in every match. None of them look good. I can't believe that this is the first time that he's like hurt himself this bad. Yeah. Because his leg drops always is end up with him landing on... The knee I that feel he's like not he's dropping. literally going to like rip his groin every time he does it. Yeah, and just like yeah, push his other knee through the fucking back. I but yeah, why not an elbow drop after, especially after this? Because like I said, I can't think of anybody. I dare somebody to find somebody with a worse leg drop than Sandman. Raven and number two then begin trading strikes when Sandman goes low with the cane on both men. Before setting the pit bull on the top rope. But Raven hits Sandman from behind and helps lift him up for number two to super bomb him. Super bomb! Makes the cover, only for Raven to kick him in the jaw and cover the pit bull for the pin. It was a loaded boot! So pit bull number two is eliminated. <laughs> and this pisses Francine off, so she jumps in the ring and begins to wail on Raven. So Miss Patricia comes in for a. Cat fight. fight! Missy comes into the ring with the kendo stick and clears the ring with a couple of cane shots. ECW, <laughs> ECW. Yeah, that part cracked me up. Like, bitch, please. And all, all of this distraction <clears throat> allows Sandman to roll up Raven for the pin. And no! Raven kicks out. Sandman then sidesteps a charging Raven, sending him into the corner and rolls him up again when he bounces back for a near fall. Sandman follows up with a DDT for the pin. And no, Raven kicks out again. Sandman picks up Raven when Richards runs in with a Stevie kick that Sandman avoids, causing Raven to take the blow for a two count. There's a big old pop for that. Sandman knocks Richards out of the ring and then goes out himself to grab a length of guardrail to throw into the ring. With that big old limp. But it takes too long allowing Raven to recover to gain the advantage. The way he threw that in, too, was just... It's like it was nothing. <laughs> it's like over my shoulder, over the top rope, bounce, bounce, on the rope. Raven then sets the steel on the ropes, but has his whip reversed, sending Raven into the guardrail, followed by Sandman suplexing the steel onto Raven. Sandman sets the railing up again and goes for another suplex, but Raven blocks and shoves Sandman into it, followed by DDTing him into the steel as well. For the pin! And, and the win! win. Post match, Raven leaves to the back with his belt. But Meanie starts making fun of Pitbull number two, only for number one to be right behind him. So they take him back to the ring to get his ass kicked. Sandman even delivers a cane shot before helping the Pitbulls nail a super bomb on Blue Meanie. And number two gives Sandman a beer as a peace offering, and they all hug. Sandman then takes the mic and seals the alliance by giving Missy to the Pitbulls for the evening. And Missy starts making out with number two, which brings Francine back into the ring to start another... Cat fight. 
They separate them with Sandman kind of being pissed off that the pit bulls would allow this. So maybe there isn't an alliance. Huh. That's a way to do it. Yeah. So it was a number one contenders match, but the champion was in the match. It no, wasn't. It was, a, it was a championship match. Uh, okay, I was just double I'm just checking. saying it should have been a number one contenders match with just the with, two of them. Yeah, with yeah, or if you're gonna, you could put a third guy in there if you want. But yeah, it's like why is Raven in here? And you're really gonna put put it not at the top of the card? And expect any of the other guys to win? Well, no, you gotta put what's at the top of the card at the top of the card. Apparently, even though it has. Yeah. Even though it has nothing, I don't know if that one has anything to do with matter of respect. I thought another match had to do with the matter of respect, but I don't know. I was uh, yeah, there's a couple, a couple other ones. I will say that this, this as silly match, as this was, this was still fun. Yeah, this match surprised me. I enjoyed it a whole lot more than I thought. And oh Pit, yeah, Pitbull number two looks like he belongs right where he is in this match as far as being a contender. I almost feel like out of everybody in this company, pretty Pitbull, spectacular. Pitbull two, the Pitbulls feel like they should be in one of the big two more than almost anybody else. At least at the moment. I mean, RVD's new. Well, I can see the Pitbulls being someplace else, yeah. I don't know. I mean, they'd be a mid, mid-card mid tag team. But... Yeah, I mean, unless it was like JCP era or something. But like it's like, well, the Road Warriors are already there. But there's definitely a place for them as a big tag team but it's kind of like too little too late it's like well steiners and road warriors have already happened and made their money in japan you can't really make the money over there and i'm sure they could but it wouldn't be road warrior or steiner brothers money so we go to our fifth match mikey whipwreck mikey mikey versus lionheart chris jericho and we get multiple lockups to begin, with no one gaining an advantage. But after Lionheart slaps Whipwreck, he takes Mikey down with a suplex and starts to work the back with holds and kicks. Whipwreck then reverses a whip and charges in with a dropkick. So he starts working the back himself with a Muda lock. Back to their feet, Jericho nails a stalling vertical suplex, a spinning heel kick, a body slam, and a slingshot splash. For a two count. I will say, Joey Styles says that Cactus Jack, now known as Mankind in the WWF, and I'm like, we haven't seen him as Mankind in WWF yet. We haven't. Yeah. But it's been on television but already? It's been on television. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just he, curious. He, de- he debuted the Raw after WrestleMania. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I just remember that we saw some uh, like vignettes or whatever, but I was like, huh. Is he just like, I wasn't sure if he was like pulling a, a bish off or something. Where he's like, oh, well, I know what this character is going to be. Nah, no. You know. Not yet. Jericho follows up with another spinning heel kick that gets a near fall. Lionheart delivers a powerbomb for two before trying for a tombstone that Mikey reverses into one of his own. And Whipwreck heads up top, only to be stopped and drop kicked off to the floor and into a guardrail. Mikey tries getting back in the ring when Lionheart hits a springboard forearm to knock him back out to the floor. And Jericho follows out to throw him into the crowd before burying him under a stack of chairs. And Whipwreck tries again to get into the ring, but Lionheart brings him in the hard way before heading up for a flying splash that gets a two count. Jericho continues with a body slam and goes for another flying splash but Mikey gets his boots up to the chin of Lionheart, follows up with a rocker dropper for a near fall. 
Whipwreck has a whip reversed, allowing Jericho to hit multiple clotheslines. Goes for a corner splash, only for Mikey to avoid, sending Lionheart tumbling over the ropes to the floor. Jericho's up to the apron with a chair, so Whipwreck baseball slides between his legs, yanks him down headfirst into the apron before throwing Lionheart into the crowd. Nice. Mikey climbs back into the ring to hit a springboard senton out into the crowd as well. Once they're back in the ring, Whipwreck keeps up the attack with a top rope clothesline for a two count. Takes Lionheart to the top rope to deliver a Franken-Mikey that gets a near fall. The two begin to fight over a waist lock, with Jericho gaining control to hit a fisherman buster, followed by a lion salt for a two count. Whipwreck ducks a clothesline and leaps onto the shoulders of Jericho for another Franken-Mikey for a near fall. <sighs> they each counter the other's suplex attempt to end in a pinning sequence that gets both men a two count. But once back to their feet, Lionheart's able to take Whipwreck over with a tiger suplex. For a near fall. The crowd is hot. Jericho then picks up the chair that was dropped in the ring earlier. Goes for the chair shot. Only for Mikey to drop kick it into Lionheart's face. Allowing Whipwreck to roll up Jericho. For a two count. Ah, my gosh. Lionheart's whipped to the corner with Mikey charging in. Only to be back body dropped out to the apron. But he gets a chop in to allowing to head up top. Only for Jericho to yank him down. To crotch himself. Lionheart that climbs up to nail a super butterfly suplex for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Post match, the two men shake hands to show respect for each other. I mean, this match fucking rules. Yes. Mikey yeah. Whipwreck fucking rules. It's the amount in which he's gotten better, and you know, obviously, Chris Jericho's. Ultimately, a much better wrestler than Mikey Whipwreck. Mikey Whipwreck is better than a lot of people that have made money. In if you yeah. put him with the right opponent, he can fucking show up and do some do some shit. He's not afraid to to do it. Plus, you know, he's got a really cool Silver Surfer T-shirt. <laughs> There's something about watching him do the Muda Lock that it just it looked just felt good. Yeah, there there was nothing I could complain about while watching it. It just looked. Perfectly at ease, like it was in his normal move set, uh-huh. and he could go from you know having his arm around the neck to just laying off to the side, holding the leg. It looked natural, yeah. Yeah, it's like he'd been doing it for years. Another thing I noticed was that at one point when they're in the crowd, maybe the best like clip of an ECW chant where it's like all the you know the front and center where it's like all the oh like alumnus ECW fans, <laughs> they're. You know, in the crowd near them, and they're all chanting ECW, and it's like a fucking, like a senior party like photo. <laughs> and uh, the hat guy just yells like, "This man's held all three titles or whatever like that," like pointing to Mikey Whipper. It's like this, this is, is hype man. This is yeah. It's like this is fucking beautiful, and this is like this is what's great. This is what's great about ECW. It's like mm-hmm. these guys are behind this guy because he's awesome, and they've been here, and they've seen it, and they've been chanting for him forever. And on yeah, grown superstar. Yeah, and here Mikey Whipwreck is a star and you can't take that away from him oh yeah so we head to our sixth match the franchise shane douglas versus two cold scorpio for the ecw world television championship and a fan in the crowd tosses scorpio a wwf shirt 
so he can taunt Shane with it, only for Douglas to grab it and wipe his ass before tearing it in half. And then the match gets going, we get some mat wrestling shared between the two, before the two trade arm locks with athletic escapes, followed by the franchise hitting a hip toss and a drop kick that sends Too Cold out to the floor to regroup. When Scorpio returns, he goes back to work on the arm, only for Shane to counter into a short arm clothesline. And he goes for a jackknife pin, which is bridged out of, with them fighting over a backslide. But no one gets it as Too Cold flips over to escape. Douglas then goes for a back suplex, which Scorpio flips out of as well, hitting a shoulder tackle, followed by the franchise charging out, only for Too Cold to leapfrog the attempt but then turns into a belly-to-belly attempt, which Scorpio escapes with a knee and goes for a leg lariat that Shane ducks and ends up hitting an overhead butterfly suplex. They're really doing it, folks. Too cold bells to the floor again and throws a chair into the ring out of frustration, but Douglas just sits down in it to wait out Scorpio. It's got some uh, some Naito vibes (laughs) way beforehand, but... The franchise yells out that he wants to wrestle, and he looks to toss the chair to the floor, only to throw it right at Too Cold as he enters the ring to get a two count. Shane with several kicks and a back body drop that sends Scorpio over to the floor, before following out with a pescado. Douglas drops Too Cold hard across the guardrail with a slingshot front suplex, and gets back in the ring, awaiting the countout victory. But Scorpio just beats the count. I love that story-wise because it's like he said he doesn't care about this fucking title. So it's just like Shane Douglas is fucking – he's great. Shane Douglas understands wrestling as if we didn't already know that. But that's the proof. The little things. His shit-eating grin. Granted, everything he does looks great. But his character and logic is always solid. And he – He'll make. He's the kind of guy that'll make chicken shit into chicken salad, and uh, there's not many guys at ECW that can do that. Too cold. Then drags the franchise out to the floor, where he charges at Shane, only to be thrown into the crowd. The two then brawl through the crowd using plunder. But when they return to ringside, Douglas power bombs Scorpio onto the concrete, Oof. prompting the crowd to call for damage control as the franchise is calling for the bell. Only for Too Cold to again just beat the count back into the ring. Shane with chokes, turnbuckle smashes, whips to the corner, but Scorpio hits a pair of desperation kicks to the nuts before grabbing a chair to use that sends Douglas out to the apron. Too Cold then nails a handspring flip kick that sends the franchise out to the floor, with Scorpio following with a moonsault off of the apron. Putting him right into the steel. Too Cold sets up a table, setting Shane on it, before going back into the ring to dive out of, only for Douglas to have disappeared. Where'd he go, guys? Um, I don't know. Yeah. The The parking lot, maybe? He's just franchising somewhere, man. (laughs) He's opening a franchise. (laughs) The franchise all of a sudden is behind Scorpio as he had crawled under the ring, attacking Too Cold and taking him out to the apron. We call that the David Blaine. Where Too Cold fights back and flips over like a sunset flip, 
but he transitions it into a rolling prawn hold for a near fall. Super kick by Scorpio lays out Shane, sets up a chair before climbing the ropes, but the delay allows Douglas to drop kick two cold legs out from under him, causing Scorpio to crotch himself. The franchise then bounces off the chair into another drop kick that sends two cold out onto the table that doesn't break. I know. Yeesh. Scorpio tries to get back in, only for Shane to kneem back down through the table that finally does break. <laughs> Second time's a charm. Back in the ring, Douglas with a twisting vertical suplex for a two count. Looks great. Heads up top, only to miss whatever he was going for, allowing Too Cold to super kick him once again. Scorpio now heads up top for a moonsault, makes the cover, but decides that he doesn't want to win that quickly. So he goes back up for a 450 splash. It's a matter of respect, Matthew. The guy doesn't even want his title. He's going to prove to him that it means something when he beats him into the mat. Too Cold then delivers a twisting leg drop with still no cover. And he calls for something, but he's just wasting time, allowing the franchise to get back to his feet and hit a back suplex for a near fall. And all the while, Scorpio chants. Scorpio's over because, well, Shane Douglas is a pretty great heel. Shane then nails a Pittsburgh plunge, which is a fisherman suplex, for a two count. Tries for the belly-to-belly, only for Scorpio to just go dead weight, to block and transition into a urinagi of his own for a near fall. And we're now 25 minutes into the 30-minute time limit. I know. I was like, first call I've heard. It would be less telegraphed if you did calls every five minutes from the beginning of the match. But I'm having a good time. And like maybe he got lost up in the match, too. Still having a good time. I'd love to see somebody do this and then actually have a winner. That would be great. 25-minute call, and you're like, I know what's going to happen. Too Cold takes Douglas up to the top rope. Climbing up as well for a Super Rana, only to be caught and dropped with a Super Bomb for the pin. And no, no Scorpio kicks out. I know. I had, In my notes, I was so sure. I thought they were pulling the trick on me because it looked like it was over. The franchise then whips too cold to the corner, but he runs into a Super Kick. So Scorpio goes up top again, only for Shane to meet him there for a belly-to-belly Superplex. For the pin. And, and the win. win. And new. What a good fucking match. Yep. This is like, maybe this feels shortlisty. I wouldn't. Uh, I don't hate it. I, I like it. I'm not going to lie. I like this one better than their original yeah. shortlisty one that we had. I, yeah, I mean. I think it was a shortlisty one, wasn't it? They're both. Yeah, totally, it was the yeah. NWA title yeah. match. I feel like they're kind of at the top of, like, they're really great opponents. And Scorpio isn't as good as Shane Douglas, even though he can do more things. But when Shane Douglas is leading this match yeah. with with somebody that can do the stuff that he would call or ask of him, yeah. there's not really any issues. There's, the table didn't break. Well, it was a table. They don't always break. Scorpio isn't as good as Shane, but Scorpio is always better when he's in the ring with him. Yeah. Scorpio <clears throat> needs a good opponent. Luckily, he's typically been getting them as of late. Post-match, Douglas takes the mic and starts rambling 
about how he has been in the ring with legends and how much he loves the business, the fans, and Paul Heyman, including calling Too Cold better than him before shaking his hand out of respect. He continues by saying he wanted to get away from the cartoon bullshit that Vince McMahon was doing while everyone in Atlanta is washed up. And the franchise then gets Scorpio to strap the belt around his waist. But Too Cold thinks he's being an asshole, so he blasts him in the back of the head with the title before pile driving him. Scorpio then places a chair on Shane's head before heading up top for a flying leg drop. I mean, Shane's so good on the mic. He's long-winded, but to like his and our benefit. I feel like it's like, oh, he's not, it's not like gobbledygook. It feels precise. Sounds like he means it. There's obviously the personal thing with the WWF stuff. Mm -hmm. He puts over Scorpio just to try to make him look like a chump, whether he means it or not. But he's definitely thinks he's better because he just bested him. It's great. And I, yeah. We're ready for the third the third match of this trilogy because <laughs> this is some of the better shit in a while as far as concise storytelling in, yep. in, in ECW. So we go to our seventh match. Rob Van Dam versus Sabu. I mean, you love to see it, folks. That's what we come to ECW for, right? I mean, I've been waiting for quite a while because before we did this show... RVD and Sabu were my guys downloading matches off of like weird wrestling forums in like 2007 or 8 or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the homicidal one immediately goes for the legs to no avail. So RVD does the same to take Sabu down, only for the homicidal one to recover to hit a leaping leg drop that causes Van Dam to the floor to regroup. Sabu looks for a tope, only for RVD to move. So he stops and follows out to nail an air Sabu onto the guardrail. And this is one fall to a finish, no time limit. It's a matter of respect. Van Dam then leaps off of a chair onto the railing and back onto the homicidal one with a sidekick. Then tries to leap off the chair again, but it breaks in the process. RVD then heads back into the ring to try for a tope, but Sabu moves away to avoid this time. They begin to fight on the apron, with the homicidal one being knocked into the ring with a kick. But he recovers to take Van Dam down across the ropes with a chair under his head for a guillotine leg drop that gets a two count. It looks gnarly. Mm -hmm. The guillotine leg drop can either look great or bad, and there's no in-between. And you add a chair in there? Come on. RVD is then set up on the top rope for Sabu to deliver a triple jump super rana. For a near fall. The two start working some holds with Van Dam dominating. Only for the homicidal one to escape out to the apron. Before leaping back in with a springboard DDT. Sending RVD out to the floor. Sabu with a baseball slide sends Van Dam into the front row. Followed by the homicidal one with a triple jump plancha. Only for RVD to bash him with a chair on his way down. (laughs) Fucking... Crazy. Van Dam goes back into the ring and he sets up a chair. Doesn't this guy know that he broke his neck? 
but he then just leaps over it, the ropes, and out onto Sabu with a somersault senton. Like, I, it's insane. I'm going to set this chair up just to show you that I, I don't need it. Yeah, he's got springs in his legs. It's crazy. Fucking love RVD. A little shot, he's a little sawed-off shotgun of a man. Hey, Rob. Hey, Rob. Look what I can do. Watch. Uh-huh. Watch. They both make their way into the ring where RVD delivers a springboard pump splash for a two-count. A suplex for a near fall. And then goes into a surfboard. Surfboard. Before dropping him into a pin attempt for another two-count. Van Dam now begins to work the leg, delivering several different kicks that get near falls, only for the homicidal one to retaliate with a springboard leg lariat for a two count. And Sabu works the arm momentarily before whipping to the corner and nailing a moonsault press for a near fall. The homicidal one continues with an Arabian press for a two count, but he then runs right into a boot, allowing RVD to hit a powerbomb and a rolling thunder. For near falls. Van Damme climbs the ropes, only for Sabu to throw a chair at him to Daisy. He then sets the chair up for another triple jump something, but Van Damme sees it coming, so he leapfrogs off of the ropes, only for the homicidal one to just stop on the chair and nail a drop kick. I know, it's insane. Yeah. These guys were uh, meant, meant to be together. Sabu then sets RVD back up on the ropes to again try a triple jump something. But Van Dan hits him in the ribs, causing the homicidal one to crotch himself and allowing RVD to hit a Rana of his own back into the ring. Van Dam continues with a drop kick that sends Sabu straddling the apron. So RVD places a chair on the homicidal one's face. Leaping over the ropes with a slingshot guillotine leg drop Ooh. that gets a two count. Van Dam with a body slam and he goes for a moonsault. But Sabu kicks him as he heads up top. So RVD is out on the apron. The homicidal one then leaps over with a sunset flip powerbomb to the concrete. <sighs> Sabu sets up a table in the crowd area. Tossing Van Dam onto it before rolling back into the ring for a triple jump plancha into the front row through RVD and the table. <laughs> yep. Oof. It looks great. They both make their way back into the ring where the homicidal one hits a slingshot somersault leg drop for a near fall. Sabu starts to climb to the top, only for Van Dam to shoulder block him to take control. And deliver a super brain buster that gets a two count. Nasty. RVD then misses a slingshot leg drop, but he's still able to kick him to keep the homicidal one down. So Van Dan heads up top again, only for Sabu to cut him off to hit an ace crusher. And the homicidal one then hits a triple jump moonsault, but RVD gets the knees up. They then begin to battle on the ropes, with RVD gaining the advantage to hit a super fisherman's buster for a near fall. Van Dam then delivers a split-legged moonsault for the pin and, and the win. win. Post-match, both men are down for ages before Sabu just walks off without shaking hands. Yeah, the crowd boos, but they still give it up for the upset because he beat him. He beat Sabu fair and square. No interference. 
Like, they haven't... They just, like, spent the last few months putting Sabu over, like, big guys mm-hmm. in boring matches. And then... Did he have a match with Mikey? Yeah. And then he had a match with Mikey. It's obviously better and more interesting. RVD comes in here. They tear the house down. And somehow Sabu looks safer while doing even crazier stuff in this match. But... Like, that might be the safest-looking Sabu table spot we've ever seen. And it was insane, but it looked like he was, it was, like, on the money and as safe as something that stupid could be. And by stupid, I mean, like, because you could really uh, kill yourself and the man has broken his neck previously. It wasn't that long ago, folks. It's crazy how, like, front-loaded this show is, which scares me. Because, like... In my notes, a match or two ago, by the time we got to the Shane Douglas match, I was like, oh, this show is really front-loaded. I'm scared for the back half of it. And then this match came after that, and I was like, fuck, I know what my last match is going to be. It's going to be a tag team plunder match or whatever. But, yeah, how often do you get three bangers like that? Anywhere. Not very often, (laughs) no. So Joey Styles is in the ring, and Paul Heyman... Rolls the homicidal one back in. Takes the mic to tell the crowd that this isn't part of the show. He's out here to fulfill his obligation to shake the hand of RVD. Van Dam returns to the squared circle as Sabu extends his hand. But then RVD takes the mic to say, Not only do I not respect you, you're a piece of shit. Van Dam throws the mic at the homicidal one and leaves... With Bill Alfonso, who has made his way to ringside. Taz is also in the aisleway, just staring down Sabu, before telling the camera that there is a time and place for everything. And the homicidal one ends up being stretchered out by damage control. You know, obviously they are high on RVD if he just beat Sabu. But then he went like full heel on him, is now associated with Taz and Sabu did the stretcher job that's a, a that's a lot, lot. In one match, so. <laughs> yeah it's pretty awesome does that match need to be on the short list I know it's like uh, uh, I would say yes there's like three in a row that are great and it's like well which one's the best and I'm like well I don't really know that's a conversation we can have later in the well, year it definitely is yeah no I'm I'm totally I'm surprised it didn't get said already Honestly. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was like, damn, I blew my load with the last one. It's like, but I don't think that I did because it was, no. it was great. Yeah, I mean, it was a different kind of great. But it's it was not great. the first time we've had two on one show. So. No, definitely not. Yeah, put it on. All right, RVD Sabu, you just made the list. I mean, what are the chances we're pulling fucking shortlist matches from WCW this year? <laughs> Let's uh, let's cruiserweights say, are showing up. <laughs> cruiserweights are showing up. That's true. Let's, let's uh, say that is a, true. A little something for Slambury. Who knows? Maybe Who knows? it'll be a surprise in there for us. Yeah, it's going to be a, a Lex Luger and Animal versus Ice Train and Scott Norton. I mean Fire, and that's going to be a short list match. Which I don't even know if that's the tag team thing, but I do know that it's some some wacky shit. Mm-hmm. So we go to our eighth match, the Eliminators. Of Perry Saturn and John Cronus, and prime time Brian Lee, versus the gangsters of New Jack and Mustafa Saeed, and Tommy Dreamer. 
And Joey tells us this was originally going to be the Bruise Brothers, but they're suspended. Hmm. No what? clue why? What the hell do you do to get suspended in ECW? But considering Forget the... El- to bring meth? I'm just kidding, I don't know. But considering the Eliminators <laughs> and uh, the Gangsters are in a feud... Seems I kind of wonder if they actually were suspended. I mean, yeah, do we really need the Bruise Brothers here? No. We don't no. need... I. These four-guy plunder matches are enough. Anytime they add a three-man team or uh, three tag teams, it's just like, I don't even know what I'm looking at, and it makes whatever the camera is focusing on mean less. So, so it was supposed to be the Bruise Brothers instead of which team, though? The Eliminators. The Eliminators? Okay. Yeah. So I couldn't remember if Bruce Brothers yeah, they, were they healer face. would have teamed with Brian Lee because they're all part of the nest. Ah, that's right. So the gangsters' music hits and outruns everybody with trash cans, a plunder, and a tire. And it descends into a brawl with that plunder right away as Dreamer hit, uses a hockey stick on several, on several different pucks. As the brawling heads to the floor, the ref also uses the hockey stick as a broom to remove a bunch of trash from the apron. Which may have been the most charming thing that's ever happened in ECW that didn't involve Mikey Whipwreck. Was the ref being like, there's too much crap here. Uh, I don't need anybody to just like lose an eyeball or, you know. Tommy uses a chain to hip toss Cronus, followed by using a coffee maker over his head and the hockey stick to the nuts. New Jack leaps off the apron onto Saturn in the crowd, but Lee comes to help Perry, allowing him to run back into the ring to clothesline Dreamer out of the ring. Cronus then follows out with a flying tiger drop, which is a handspring backflip plancha, onto Tommy. The Eliminators then toss Dreamer into the crowd before Saturn comes off the ropes with an ACI moonsault, only for Tommy to have moved climb back in the ring to leap over with a plancha out onto the Eliminators. We get more brawling in the crowd when Perry takes Mustafa into the ring while Dreamer uses a section of guardrail on Cronus. Saturn with a leg lariat, a drop kick in the corner, and a Samoan drop. Followed by a lion salt we don't see for a two count. Perry then heads up top for a knee drop that Saeed avoids. John and Jack are going at it in the aisleway while Mustafa breaks out a running power slam of Saturn onto a chair for a near fall inside the ring, followed by a press slam. Prime Time and Tommy have fought their way to the bleachers, while Saeed hits a big boot on Perry, but Saturn comes right back with a leaping forearm. Has the song stopped yet? (laughs) (laughs) Just, Just a joke. They play that uh, gangsta song like fucking like Pretty five minutes. Entire, into the, yeah, it's like I was match. like, yeah, to the point where like I didn't notice it, and then I noticed it again, and it's like obviously way up front because it's not the actual song. And then when it stopped, it was like, yeah, it was like dead silence. It was what it felt like, even though it's still the sounds of chairs and drunk guys in Hawaiian shirts. Now Perry and Mustafa brawl their way to the Eagles' nest, while Lee and Dreamer brawl inside the ring. And Saturn leaps off the balcony with a double axe handle. But Saeed retaliates with a snap suplex on the platform. It's a nice nice uh, exchange. Prime Time and Tommy have joined them, only for Mustafa and Perry to head back to the ring. So Lee wraps a telephone cord around Dreamer's face. Back in the ring, the Eliminators team up for a stereo spinning heel kicks on Saeed, while Prime Time throws Tommy into a wall. 
on the balcony. Perry hits a pump handle slam of New Jack, followed by a leg drop for a two count, while Lee suplexes Dreamer through a table on the balcony before throwing him off to the bleachers. Is that what, like the stack of tables? It's like right next to the... Yeah, so it's like, oh, that's, like, that's where they have all the backup tables. Yeah, it's like, oh, Tommy fell. Oh, Tommy's still falling. Yeah, I wonder who was... I bet it was Blue Meanie who like, all right, you got to be there uh, before 9 o'clock on Tuesday because we're getting our table shipment. <laughs> In the ring, the gangsters hit a double vertical suplex of Saturn before nailing Cronus with a toy robot. Everybody's now back at ringside. <laughs> I think I might have had that toy robot as a kid. With Perry hitting a turnbuckle smash on Tommy, while Primetime pulls Jack's balls into the ring post. Perry with a rope walk Rana onto Dreamer, who then goes for a crossbody, but Tommy catches him and drops him with a power slam. Dreamer then comes off the top rope with a frog splash, but Saturn moves and lays out Tommy with a swinging neckbreaker and a dropkick. Perry heads up himself for a top rope knee drop then holds Dreamer up for several big boots from Lee. Primetime goes for a third one, but Tommy kicks him low, so the Eliminators then try for total elimination, but Saeed makes the save by chop-blocking Cronus. Mustafa also delivers a spine buster to John for a near fall before it goes back to brawling between everybody. Lee and Dreamer end up in the ring where Tommy hits a DDT. He looks for a pile driver onto a chair, only for Stevie Richards to run down to Stevie kick Dreamer in the back of the head. Kimona and Beulah then run down to give Richards a testicular claw. The squeeze. Before handing Tommy a cinder block, placing it on primetime and nailing it with a chair. For the pin! And no! Perry flies in to break up the pin. Saturn then pile drives Dreamer setting up a table in the ring and places Tommy onto it. Perry starts to climb, only for Saeed to make the save, allowing Tommy to climb up as well to DDT Saturn through the table off the top rope. Oh my god! Dreamer goes for the cover, but Cronus makes the save, when New Jack would roll in with a chair shot to John before coming off the top rope with a 187 chair dive for the pin and, and the win. win. Joey Styles then says his goodbyes, and we fade to black. I love that all the crowd puts up the X, which is a pre- which is pretty sick for, uh, you know, for the, for the gangsters. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of a matter of respect? With all due respect, I enjoyed this show from the pretty much from the start. You know, it was a, a different a different startup with Sabu coming out instead of Sandman. Yes. The the J T Smith and Guido part. I mean, pretty much, I enjoyed everything until the end. Yep. And then once the last match started, I. Lost interest just like that. Started playing on my phone, and <laughs> I heard the pin happening, but I wasn't really watching the match because it was just well. You, you see the gangsters and the dreamer and crew. Yeah, you yeah you get all them. You get the running from Stevie, and it's like I've seen this before. I've watched this exact same thing happen over and over and over and over and over again. So and it's 
What? I mean, are, you, are, are you reading my? No. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that's there, yeah, no. like, like literally, it's yeah. almost word for word. Well, we all know what, what the I, last match is gonna be on an the, ECW show. Exactly. They keep and, putting the wrong shit in the wrong place. And the thing is, is like this should be like middle of the show, or you put this before you have th- a string of three like truly great matches yeah. that like actually matter for e- for for all the characters involved. You don't get a string of matches like that in any no. promotion if, regularly. If they switched the that match. And the heavyweight championship match. Do you think that I think the show would be great? The best ECW show. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, and it still could be that. But this last match is like it doesn't. But you, actually, you go home. You go home happy. You got yeah. everything. I mean, I you, you both have literally said every single word that I've written down for my overall thoughts. And <laughs> yeah. you know, because I wasn't disappointed in the main event. Because I because I knew exactly what I was going to get. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't interested until they kick it into the last couple minutes. Yeah, and I wasn't even interested then. Yeah, and I will say, I mean, because because still... the whole because like once Stevie runs down, mm-hmm. you get the whole cinder block thing, which has been brought in here lately. Yeah, like all of that. It was it was a, it receipt. was a, it was a little bit of a variation. Like it's that one extra step on the variation yeah. of every match that we've seen over the last like few shows but it's exactly what we're expecting but like literally you put that match as the fourth match before it ramps up and then, everybody and, you, and, and you can move that championship match to the final match mm-hmm. because we we agreed it wasn't the best match in the world but it's the championship but it's, it's a, but it's a championship match it was fun we all know who's not gonna like we all know that there's no chance of it changing when it's that early on the card and this and why? I mean, I get, yeah, you have this plunder I've never, match I've, at the end. I've but never understood why they do these plunder Raymond, matches at the very end. That. I mean, the I'm answer. Gonna, I'm gonna go all CM Punk. The answer is because I'm they have champion, to clean you're up not put me on in the last fucking match. Yeah. How many times has this got to happen? Yeah. But I mean, it's because they have to clean up afterwards. That's why it's at the end. But you can use less garbage. But I mean, that's the gangster thing. Then have them do it. I mean, they had to clean up after area. Axel and Ian, and they had them as the third match of the show, usually. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was a little less amount of stuff, but not that much. Really. I honestly. mean, you don't have to. I go. think we all agree. Yeah. This is a great show uh-huh. with this one blip. Also, yeah. the other thing is, is like. And unfortunately, that blip is the main event. Yeah. That's so your, it, your so last this fight, show. It so it leaves it you with a bad taste in your mouth. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, those other matches, like. There's two great ones, and one that's better than you expected being the championship match. Yep. And it should be at the end because then it means a little bit more. But even after this big plunder match, which everybody's here to see, this is what these people want to see. They come here all the time. That they, they, they get it, but then they get great matches. And this crowd also appreciates great matches. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it might take a little while, but not with the people that were involved here. They got Mikey and Sabu, like the... Probably the biggest baby faces they got. Like they keep showing us the same shit at the the last match of the show, and yeah, I get it. Throw it in there once or twice, but don't make it the exact same main event every mm-hmm. time, just with two different people. And I will say that this one is a little bit better than some of the ones we've seen, but it's not so much better that it can make the difference. It's got like it's a little bit more interesting, but it's not 
that much more interesting. Like, I was excited to watch some New Jack stuff, but if this is the way that the matches are going to be the entire time, then I don't really even care. No. New, <laughs> New Jack's cool because he's fucking New Jack, and it's the attitude, it's the promo, uh, he's got a great look, and we all know he's nuts. But do his but, matches get better than what we're seeing here constantly with just him and Mustafa doing the same routine each time, every time, no, every this week? Is, no, this no, is no, what this, you get this, from this, the gangsters. Yeah, this, okay. this is all, all you get. get. Yeah. Well, that's really disappointing. Yeah, it is. The best thing New Jack ever did was the uh, was the OJ promo in Smoky Mountain. Yeah. And beating up a... Mass transit yeah. incident. That's not cool, though. I don't. I don't think that's cool. I think that that uh, that promo is incredible, and I love it, and I send it to people all the time. Yeah, I uh, put New Jack on the mic, and I'm totally behind it. But mm-hmm. there's something about him in the ring that I just I lose my desire to finish watching after the first couple minutes because it's just the same. I would thing like to see time. him in a more singles situation, a la Sandman, because Sandman stinks, but people love him. But New Jack is so much more charismatic and cool, and he can probably do a better leg drop and a better fucking DDT yeah. and look cooler hitting somebody with a cane because he looks cool and he can talk. Sandman is neither. He doesn't look cool, and he can't talk. He can smoke, he can drink, and he can break his knees. Like People like Sandman because they probably remind him of their like dad they see once a year, which is rude. But I kind of mean it. <laughs> Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So, what are some of the best moments of this show? Shane Douglas match and promo, but his like he's the best at doing these long-winded promos where they they're slow, but they don't get boring because every word matters. It's kind of crazy how good he is at it. Pitbull too, just slipping right into a, a championship title match, like and getting chance, yeah, like getting it, crowd chance, feeling like he it belongs. Old school things, yeah, absolutely belongs. And his name is Pitbull too. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, and he's and everyone's still like, hell yeah, we'd love to see Pitbull too right. win this belt. Buh, buh, big tits. <laughs> yes. Both, both Bubba and mm-hmm. the drink itself is pretty Even damn though, tasty. Yeah. And Lady Alexandria looking <laughs> pretty great. B- pretty great on this show. Yeah, her and uh, Fran, they could cat fight for a longer. FBI is fun. So much fun. Jericho and Mikey. Honestly, the whole show is pretty awesome. But we yeah. just said like all if that. We, if we haven't, you haven't realized that we mean yeah. for you, like, go watch yeah. this show. It is worth your time. Yeah. Just as soon as you see Tommy Dreamer on your screen, just turn it off. Yeah. yeah. Or fast forward to like the last like three minutes of the show. Yeah, nah. Just uh, after like, after Sabu starts getting stretchered out, just go ahead and end there. I mean, yeah, Sabu doing a stretcher e- job. E- either or, either or. Yeah, man, it's tough. Yeah, the ECW chant, the the moment where Hat Guy fucking you know like pats Mikey on the back in the crowd and like looks into yeah. the camera. There's three top shit. Yeah, he's had all. He's held all three belts. And they're doing the, it's like, if ECW was ever to warm your heart, that's the moment. <laughs> Axel Rotten. Axel Rotten. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, turn the, turn, you can turn the show off when uh, old soggy wiener shows up. <laughs> How about most disappointing? Last match. Yeah. Last match. Last match. Because yep. we know that the first stuff is 
we have an idea. But they even broke the mold a little yeah. bit by starting with Sabu and having two guys that were doing very Sabu-esque work and then mm-hmm. him coming out and, like, you know, kicking their asses only to be bested later in the night. Wonderful arc. And then it's like now Rob Van Dam is a top guy immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, he's immediately a top a top guy. Yep. Yeah, so whether, yeah, unfortunately Tommy Dreamer and Sandman are also top guys, but Raven, Shane Douglas, Taz, I mean, you like, gotta have, Sabu, you gotta have different stuff. RVD, you do, for sure. I don't mean, I mean it, I'm just being shitty, but, like, there's a, a lot of guys that can hold any, there's half the goddamn wrestlers can hold this belt. I mean, that's a, yeah, that's, and a everybody about, understands that's the thing it. about ECW is like, literally, I think they could pretty much put anybody in the title picture and for the most part, none of us are going to go, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's like two of the most boring guys have, have been the champions for extended amounts of time. Raven and Sandman. And I have like various degrees of like like about those guys. I don't hate either of them, even though probably should especially stand i mean but yeah it's like but they're they're over far be it for me to to like tell you that they're not but yeah i mean even stevie richards you could put that belt on and the crowd would a little just oh yeah would, it, would anybody you put them against stevie automatically richards becomes make, the biggest baby face in the fucking in the room stevie richards would make a great ecw champion yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun. I don't know if being it ever that, happens. Being that cowardly hill. Uh-huh. Yeah. But cool. like Sandman and Raven are more boring than everybody else I just named, with the exception of maybe Pitbull 2, who can lift the, both those guys in a fucking double suplex yeah. by himself. I mean, to make Raven interesting, they have to give him a woman who sleeps with somebody else. They have to give him Stevie Richards, a guy who, yeah. a, a handsome chicken shit heel who can talk. And then, I mean, he gets his own lackey. Yep, which is very fun. <laughs> If I didn't know how ECW went, and I was at this point, I'd be all like, now's the time for Stevie to turn on Raven yeah. and take the belt. Be so good. Yeah. It'd be fun. Yeah. Stevie, yeah, Meanie, Meanie just interferes after a rep bump. Stevie yeah. takes the belt. Everybody shits their pants. And you can you can milk that yeah, forever. Meanie accidentally, accidentally interferes. For Stevie, <laughs> yeah, just the like, and then you can milk, or, you can milk or, that no, for Meanie actually hits the me, the Meanie salt for finally. the first time in yeah since the first time <laughs> since the first time yeah that'd be great. Have a best performer of the night, Robert Van Dam, because he went over Sabu. He flew over the chair, yeah. the ropes, and into the crowd mm-hmm. with a single bound. He did. Are we sure he doesn't have an S on his chest? <laughs> he's uh, he's the, the yeah sawed-off shotgun Superman over here, but yeah, I mean, if it's not him, it's Shane. If we're picking one guy huh. from each match, if, for me, it's either Van Dam or I gotta throw flowers at old number two just because. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big number two fan he, for sure, he definitely. But it's 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 pulled Van himself Dam. up a few notches just yeah. in that one match. Yeah, I love the pit bulls, <clears> but I mean. Who out? Who comes away from a ECW show, like in an after a couple of matches, looking like that? Like they were really all in on RVD. Yep. And for good reason because he proved it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Most surprising. Hmm. That's Pitbull number two. Yeah, honestly, I was yeah. I was surprised and excited 
with how over he was with the crowd. The crowd chanting for him multiple times throughout the match. And maybe it's because bored of the other two guys. The Alfonso Taz twist during the RVD set. Yeah, R- I, I didn't I realize. I, I didn't realize RVD yeah. joined joined the Alfonso crew this uh-huh. early. That would probably definitely, yeah, that. And then not only did he beat Sabu, which I found surprising. Didn't think that was going to happen. I wasn't sure it was going to happen, but I didn't think it'd be that. Definitely I didn't think, think it was a rematch, man. Definitely didn't think it was going to be something. a stretcher job. Definitely didn't think it was going to be a stretcher job. Oh, another surprising thing, the um, Shane actually winning. Because I was like, oh, they're telegraphing the pin. Or the, I mean, the, the time draw. limit. A draw, and then they did the pin. And yeah, thought, how great is that? I thought uh, Too Cold was going to go over that one just to get you know his original loss for the NWA title all those years ago back. Yeah, but he's, he's not Shane Douglas. Nope. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Holy fook. This week, the category is What Happened When? What Happened When? What Happened When? So I'm going to give you the name of a show, and you're going to give me the main event. Five points for a correct answer. Three points if we go to multiple choice. 93-94. Correct. Correct. The show is SummerSlam 93. Oh, Shane's going to have it. I won't have this. SummerSlam 93, the main event. Shit, I don't even remember. I'm willing to go to multiple choice because I don't have 93. A, a strong enough guess. I can tell you, I'll tell you what it was supposed to be after we finish. Okay. It was. Ah, was it? I don't remember. Was it? Fuck it. Eh. Shane? Lex versus Yoko? That is correct. That's good. I had to keep thinking, like, was that three or four? That was, yeah, that was 93, because 94 was taker, taker. If we went to multiple choice, we we, would have to been at the buzzer, because I was like, fuck, I know it's Yoko, and I couldn't think of who else it was, so I was like, Brett and Yoko. I was like, that's not right, but... You yeah. can't always remember Lex Luger, especially yeah. his poor it run in Lex WWF. Not winning the belt, but still celebrating like he just won the belt. Yes, that's the my I can picture it in my mind. <laughs> yeah. The original SummerSlam '93 main event was supposed to be Brett versus Hogan. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. And Brett was going to slap the sharpshooter and Never submit Hulk for the first time in his career. That was what the and plan Hogan was, said, not for me, brother, and, and went said, to WCW. He said, no thank you, and lost the belt at the King of the Ring to yeah. Yokozuna instead. Yeah. Thanks, Terry. Uh, Terry being Terry, how are you going to do? And we all know what but happened after that. We're now 20 episodes through the season. Ooh. So a little scoring update. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. Michael, you have 24 points. Shane... Has 48. Jesus Christ. I felt like at one point I was doing okay, but obviously not. That's how we do, you know. It is. I climb up and then you sneak back right at the very end. I still feel weird about that. (laughs) I think you you won that one. But it makes sense with, uh, you know, it feels like a wrestling uh, angle. (laughs) I was the heel. I'm sorry. (laughs) Will this be our Shane versus Too Cold Temple? (laughs) <laughs> the heel GM has to keep uh, Hey player You're facing the Undertaker yes. this week 
Next week, Slamboree 96. Oh, Lord. Hopefully it's not Slamboring. Hopefully it's not lethal. I hope it's lethal. Hopefully it's not a battle to get through. Uh, Something Toby Keith. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. That was last week, but still. (laughs) Something Toby Keith. Mm, I'm trying to think of like a toilet bowl thing. I guess, you know, Uh, hopefully it's not a toilet bowl. Hopefully we won't (laughs) feel flush after watching it. Yeah, well, you know, it's the battle bowl. Music from this week's episode is Thunderkiss 65. 5-5. Yeah. By Rob Zombie. And the gangsters made the pin, so we play their theme music, Natural Born Killers by Dr. Dre and Ice Cube. Mm -hmm. Hit the P-Funk beat. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. Do as Michael says. Uh, 65 stars. Or no stars. Yeah. <laughs> if you have any questions, comments, concerns. Uh, what did you think of this main event? Did you like it? Did you have a favorite match? Did you love this show as much as we did up until the very end let us know what do you think about my idea of flipping the main event in the championship obviously wonderful man we're uh, going to Baton Rouge next so if you've ever been there Mm -hmm. give me some ideas slide into our DM shoot us an email something so we call him Baton Rouge oh operator put me on the line is that uh, a oh I was thinking um, Jim Croce but I don't know I don't think that song is. That, that I think he's in, Brown? No, the song operator. I think he's in. <laughs> I think he's in maybe LA in that song. Would you help me make that call? If you have any of that stuff, email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling h i s t o x. We'll talk to you next week. Later.